Welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast, interdisciplinary conversations about new works in the broad world of business research. I'm your host, Andrew Jennings. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast or sharing with others who might like it too. And if you have ideas for future episodes, let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Our guests today are Sewa Kim, Assistant Professor of Accounting at Columbia Business School, and Sel Kim, Assistant Professor of Accountancy at Baruch College's Zicklin School of Business. We'll be discussing their recent paper, Fragmented Securities Regulation, Neglected Insider Trading in Standalone Banks, which I'll add a link to in the episode notes. Sewa, Sel, welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast. All right. Thanks for uh, having me uh, and having us. Uh, it's really a great pleasure to explain uh, our paper in your show. So you've written an, an interesting paper, and it, it really jumped out at me because over the years, I've noticed every now and then that I'll look at an 8K or 10K uh, that uh, instead of being filed with the Securities Exchange Commission, as we typically expect uh, those types of documents to be filed, at the top of the document, uh, it says filed with the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which I've always kind of wondered what the story behind that is. And I was excited to see your paper because it uh, answered that question um, pretty quickly. But uh, could you describe why some companies file their securities disclosures on or with the SEC and, and why some file them with the FDIC? So basically, um, so here uh, we use the term standalone bank to refer to a bank without a bank holding company. Uh, so basically, if uh, the standalone banks uh, and then it is publicly traded, uh, then they are exempt from SEC registration under the Securities Act of 1933. And therefore, they do not submit uh, filings to the SEC through their ADGA system. Instead, they file with their federal bank regulator uh, through FDIC Connect system, which is a separate filing and dissemination system created by federal bank regulators and administered by the FDIC. So to understand why this is the case, we needed to go back to about several decades ago. So when the SEC was created in the early 1930s, banks were already heavily regulated and were presumed to provide adequate disclosure to their stakeholders, even if not obligated to do so by federal securities. So that's why they were exempt from the SEC regulation in the beginning. But however, the several decades later, there was some debate on banks' disclosure practices because people found that banks were not making enough or thorough disclosure to their stakeholders. So the Securities Act Amendment of 1964 mandated SEC registration and disclosure for those firms with more than $100 million in assets or more than 500 shareholders. And this threshold, which uh, applied to like a lot of many uh, these banks. So as a result, uh, these banks were required to disclose the Securities Exchange Act filings, such as like 10K, 8K, proxy statement to their the bank, uh, federal bank regulators instead of the SEC because of the initial the exemption from the SEC registration. And also uh, later in 1974, there was another uh, amendment was made. And then basically uh, these banks, the standalone banks, the publicly traded banks, they are subject to the, the very, very similar filing uh, by the SEC registration, but instead of to the SEC Edgar, 
they report disclosure to their federal bank regulators. That's sort of the history. That's that's such a, an interesting history that at, at one point, uh, banks were in the vanguard in terms of what they had to disclose. But at, at some point, the, the regular company, public company uh, disclosure requirements caught up and maybe exceeded what the banks had to disclose. And so there was this harmonization uh, between the, the disclosures. But uh, you still have this dual track system where a standalone bank is filing uh, these securities disclosures with the regulators uh, instead of uh, with the SEC. Whereas, you know, a bank that has has a bank holding company, and I guess most of the the, the large ones do, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, they have a bank holding company and they file with the SEC. Whereas, I, I think in the paper you mentioned a few larger. Banks are are still or are currently standalone banks. For example, Zions, uh, Bancorp. Uh, kind of to think about the the ecosystem a little bit. What sorts of banks typically are standalone banks, and is there movement back and forth between uh, this FDIC uh, securities disclosure system and the the SEC's Edgar disclosure system? This sale. So historically, the smaller banks would be the standalone banks because if you were to engage in brokerage businesses or investment banking, then you would have to put those other businesses under the bank holding company umbrella. But standalone banks can only operate as commercial banks. So these would historically be smaller banks. But over time, the difference between a standalone bank and the bank holding company, the difference became smaller. And so now there's various large banks and small banks that are operating as standalone banks. And also, even within bank holding companies, there are bank holding companies that only operate one commercial bank instead of having a variety of businesses. So right now, I would say that the difference is rather small. And and you mentioned that there's a little bit of a, a recent story of some larger banks that have or banks that have a bank holding company but only that one bank within the the umbrella have been shedding their bank holding companies uh, and becoming standalone banks uh, so as to avoid uh, maybe an extra layer of, of regulation or, or several extra layers of uh, prudential regulation right so standalone banks because they're just commercial banks they don't have this extra layer of regulation that are um enforced on bank holding companies from the Federal Reserve. And recent regulations from Dodd-Frank or Basel III, they were, uh, the, the bank holding companies were subject to those new regulations, but the standalone bank structure was not. So there were certain banks like Zion's Bank Corp or Bank of the Ozarks and Bank Corp South. These banks wanted to avoid those extra regulations, so they shed their holding company and reorganized into one commercial bank, a standalone bank. So we've got this interesting dual securities disclosure system, at least for some uh, types of companies. Conceptually, what are some of the problems uh, this could pose from uh, a capital markets perspective? And, and what has the literature said about that point up to, to this this point where you're building from? Um, so this is Sewa. Um, so... So basically, uh, as you mentioned, like this financial regulatory structure in the U.S. is very, very complex, consisting of multiple agencies with overlapping responsibilities. So 
So regulators or many other parties have raised concerns that this regulatory fragmentation may undermine the stability and efficiency of the U.S. financial system. So historically, many academic studies actually examined the, the consequences of fragmented regulation, but mostly focusing on the effect of the regulator side. Like, so like some regulators are more uh, strict, like some are more uh, lenient. These studies were very influential and very important studies. But however, this, uh, we believe that fragmentation regulation can also have an effect on the financial system through many other channels. But still, we have very limited evidence on this effect. So basically, our paper trying to capture some different aspect of the fragmented uh, regulation, more focusing on the disclosure, separate disclosure system, because it may increase the information asymmetry between filers and investors, or also it can increase the cost of searching those filed uh, documents on that system, and then may have some negative impact on uh, capital market. Especially uh, those insider trading form uh, should be like relatively uh, very uh, straightforward and simple uh, information content, and it should be uh, their impact on price should be reflected on the market very very quickly. However, if investor have some difficult to find those filing when it is made, and then how they, they incorporate those information into the market price. We choose some inefficiency in terms of the stock market efficiency. So we try to uh, sort of uh, suggest the, the empirical evidence that those uh, insider filings made on the, the separate system, FDIC Connect, is actually subject to the, the lower market awareness and higher searching costs and does have some negative impact in terms of the stock market efficiency. That's what uh, we're trying to say in the paper. So we, we have this potential issue of when an insider files his or her form four stating that securities have been bought or uh, or sold, that's valuable information for the market. And, and we expect the market to, to react uh, to that information because it uh, presumably says something about uh, the insider's perspective on, on the company's prospects. Uh, but you, you point out that there could be informational asymmetries or could be extra searching costs between uh, disclosing on uh, one one system, uh, which is very closely scrutinized, and and that's the Edgar system, and uh, this other system that's um, smaller that uh, has fewer eyes on it, and that's the FDIC uh, system. And so you have an opportunity there to explore the idea of a fragmented disclosure system and looking at the difference in market reactions to these form fours between the two systems. How did you design that study? How did you set it up? So um, this is Ewa. So the, the basically, uh, we think that the main empirical challenge is for isolating the effects coming from this disclosure, separate disclosure system on the stock price efficiency would be like these standalone banks and bank holding companies are quite different in many aspects. Uh, so this raises concerns that our findings about the short-term reaction to this uh, insider trading filings may not be driven by the separate disclosure venues per se, but rather maybe driven by some underlying bank characteristics such as like size, business model, the organizational structure, etc. So to address this concern, we use three different empirical strategies. First, we do the matched sample analysis. So basically we match standalone banks to bank holding companies consisting of only one commercial bank with a 
similar bank characteristic in terms of size, capital ratio, and balance sheet composition. So in this way, we can minimize differences in bank characteristics as well as the organizational structure between treatment banks and control banks. And second, we do the within bank analysis by limiting the sample to banks that were once changed its organizational structure from a standard a standalone bank to a bank holding company or vice versa. So in this way, everything is compared within the same bank and then hoping to control like some time invariant uh, bank characteristics, which may drive the, the stock market outcome. And finally, we run a, a placebo test using earnings announcement. So whereas insider trading is disclosed first uh, via phone for filings at the disclosure system, in most cases, earnings are announced in press releases uh, first. So if the market differently reacts to earnings announcement by standalone banks and bank holding companies, it may be driven by some unobservable bank characteristics. But however, we do not find any differences in market reaction to earnings announcement unlike we find a stark short-term difference for the market reaction to the insider trading filings. So uh, based on all these uh, designs and the empirical evidence sort of uh, direct us that maybe the short-term reaction, different short-term reaction to insider filing forms uh, is driven by the separate disclosure system. What might be some of the mechanisms of the difference in short-term reactions uh, being driven by the, by that separate disclosure system. Uh, this is Sewa. So basically, um, we looked at uh, several potential mechanisms driving the, this difference in the short-term reaction, uh, including media coverage or the, the role of sophisticated market participants, such as like equity analysts and institutional investors. So basically, uh, we found that the media coverage uh, for the filings on FDIC Connect is much less than those filings on SEC at GAR. And also, we found that number of analysts following uh, standalone banks and institutional ownership for the same banks are smaller than uh, bank holding companies. However, uh, when we try to isolate the single factors uh, like one by one, we could not find strong evidence that this only single factors alone drive all the short-term market difference. So basically, we believe that uh, the general lower, uh, generally lower market awareness about the FDIC Connect and higher search costs for filings on the FDIC Connect, which are generated or created by different information environment, sort of uh, all together drive our findings. And and how did you? To, you had some tests uh, in your, your paper for for some of these mechanisms. How did you test those and, and what did you you find that, that might have supported the, these mechanisms being at work uh, in explaining the, the difference in, in short-term reaction to Form 4 filings between the FDIC system filers and the, the SEC Edgar system filers? Uh, so basically for the uh, – so basically for the, the media coverage uh, – we just find that uh, there is like a thousand news wires uh, which see sort of provide the real-time information to many market participants. There's not a single uh, thousand news wires uh, covering for this insider filings made on uh, FDS Connect. So this is like, a, I think we believe like very, very important uh, difference between the FDS Connect and uh, SAC Edgar. It seems, and I think your paper does a nice job of, of kind of showing uh, some of the, the potential uh, 
uh, asymmetries and higher searching costs associated with this fragmented uh, securities disclosure system. How should we think about these results in terms of regulatory policy or how should the financial markets uh, be interpreting or looking at or thinking about this issue? This is sale. So from so we're academics and not regulators. So I guess we're a bit limited on what we can say about what what the best optimal regulation would be. Uh, but so, so what we think is that the banks and and the bank holding companies, the content of the disclosures are sufficiently similar. The current system of having each federal bank regulator to ha- have staff to receive periodic filings of a few banks may be inefficient. But trying to solve this from the investor side is also costly because uh, an investor would have to track both the SEC Edgar system and the FDIC Connect system if they want real-time information from from the companies. So w- one of the things that regulators could do is increase market awareness and reduce the search costs by letting more investors know about the separate disclosure system that applies to standalone banks. It, it seems like almost it could be um, you know, a, a technical fix where if some of the wires and some of the, the services that aggregate financial information just incorporate uh, a feed from FDIC connect into uh, the same feed that they use for for Edgar has the banking industry weighed in on on this issue, or, or have they expressed any thoughts or views on on how to improve it? For the best we know, we haven't really found any discussion about how to address this issue. Uh, one interesting example is Zion's Bank Corp, which is a big bank holding company that recently shed their holding company structure because they wanted to avoid certain regulations applied to bank holding companies. And uniquely, this bank is still filing on the SEC Edgar system as a voluntary filer, quote-unquote voluntary filer. So there is that opportunity if if I'm a, a large large bank and I want to make sure I have ample analyst coverage and ample eyeballs from uh, the the markets that I can continue to file these things on on Edgar, uh, knowing that that will at least get attention, even if uh, there isn't as much focus on filings with with the FDIC Connect system. So there's a little bit of maybe a, of a, a private ordering uh, solution there as well. Right. So, but still, Zion's Bank Corp in its filings mentioned this might not be a permanent permanent thing that they file with the SEC. So. I'm not sure how good of a fix this would uh, be, being a voluntary filer would be. Sure. I guess that's kind of a, a wait and see. So this paper has looked really closely at the issue of insider trading um, uh, and its effect on share prices through the, the vehicle of the Form 4 filing. Uh, what limitations does your paper have and what future avenues for research does this paper open up? Uh, so this is a the Basically, um, our study uh, only speaks about like one uh, potential cost of having the separate disclosure system for this certain uh, standalone banks. Uh, but we cannot uh, speak about some potential benefit of having the separate system for these banks. So uh, we want to be careful about that uh, point. Uh, and also, there could be another, a, a lot of uh, different uh, potential costs of having the separate uh, disclosure system. For example, there might be some uh, 
the differences in uh, terms of the quality of disclosure made by this bank's own separate system because like they may delay uh, the the timing of the disclosure system or they may limit the uh, content of the disclosure itself. So we're not sure about like uh, how they are different in terms of these aspects. So we hope to see uh, more research uh, regarding this issue so people are more aware about the existence of FTIC Connect as well as some uh, benefit and uh, cost of having the system separately. Our guests today have been Sewa Kim, Assistant Professor of Accounting at Columbia Business School, and Sel Kim, Assistant Professor of Accountancy at Baruch College's Zicklin School of Business. We've discussed their paper, Fragmented Securities Regulation, Neglected Insider Trading in Standalone Banks, uh, which I will include a link to in the show notes of today's episode. Sewa, Sel, thank you for joining the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us.